Well, I'm wondering this morning if I had a volunteer to do some readings, if someone would put their hand up today. Oh, thank you, Judy. Would anybody else like to read? Or should we give it all to Judy today? Because some people are shaking their heads no. So, then that's okay. I'll just call on you another time. If you could turn to Psalm 92 this morning as we get there. You know, a few weeks ago, I started a conversation about planting the right kind of seed to set the best way forward for the future. And that was a follow-up to um, our gentleman we had, Mark Collins, who came and shared with us uh, about the regeneration process. And you'll hear more about that in the coming uh, days, weeks, months, and even years ahead. But we, one of the things that just felt on my heart was that we need to put the, the best foot forward. We need to invest in the right kinds of things. If you want corn, what kind of seed should you plant? You should, corn. Makes sense. If you want, uh, you know, um, beans, you should plant what? You mean I shouldn't plant carrots? Right. So that, that was sort of the, the basis of it. And then my wife followed up last week. Uh, if you missed out, you, you can find the recording soon enough on our website. But uh, she spoke last week about... Um, about being passionate, being passionate about our faith, being passionate about God, and being passionate about the things of God, and to some, spend some time with him so that uh, you would hear your very audible call from God. Who am I in Christ Jesus? Who am I? What has God made me passionate about? Did anyone take home that homework last week and that was here and do the homework that Elizabeth gave out and spend some time asking the questions? Good. I don't normally do this very often, but do you want to share if what God spoke to you? Isn't it so much better when you hear someone else speak other than me? Oh, so good. I, I, and I say that because we celebrate. That's what it's all about right here, is God taking me who I am and making me who he wants me to be. He's taking, you know, some of us think, well, how could God ever use little old me or ugly me or depressed me or anxious me or, you know, successful, not successful. We, we have all these things that run through our minds. How could God ever choose to use me? And yet he does. He chooses anyone who's willing and he, and he transforms us and, and, and just, and then he uses us as a light to others. There's the gospel message right here in that, in that 30 seconds that Corey shared. There's the gospel message. This is who I was. This is who Jesus made me to be. And I'm showing other people. I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple. Frank, you had your hand up. Did you want to share something too this morning? Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Frank. You know, it's amazing when we actually take the time and focus on God. We spend some time and just say, you know, Lord, what, what do you want me to be passionate about? Or what am I supposed to be about? It's amazing when he opens his mouth and he speaks to us. He shows us a passage in the Bible, you know, the words that he wrote to us. He shows us something that speaks to us. And and here's one thing that I've, I've you know, sort of grown into a little bit and really enjoyed doing is serving. You know, I've, I've done it since I was about six years old. I've always had a passion to serve the local church. And what I've learned is one of the passions that I have as I was thinking about Elizabeth's message last week was, you know, not only is my love for the church and serving the local church grown since ever becoming a pastor, my love for community and serving the community has just grown exponentially. And what I've learned through that is that, Serving gives an opportunity for, for listening to the needs of people, needs of the organization, but it also gives you opportunity to bring solutions to some of those needs. It gives you opportunity to have influence and favor with others. And if you want to make a difference, I just encourage you to put aside some of the, the hobby maybe 
and, and just ask God, what can I do to serve? Where can I serve to make a difference? Because every little moment that you step up to the plate, it can make a huge difference in someone's life. Even the change in your language. Maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a physical service. I want to serve somebody by speaking life into them. When I go to work, my attitude, even if I don't feel like being there, my attitude is going to reflect someone who is passionate about God. This morning, I have a psalm for us today, and it's a psalm about the Sabbath. And uh, as you read through the psalm, you might find the, you, you might notice how it builds from one stage to the next stage. And if Judy's ready, I'm going to have her go ahead and read Psalm 92 for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the reading of your word this morning. I thank you that the words that are read are truth, Lord, from heaven. Lord, that apply to our lives here on this earth. Lord, would you give us clarity and wisdom today? Lord, as we go through these next few minutes together, Lord, reading about, Lord, your faithfulness, reading about how great you are, Lord. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So this, this whole psalm is really about a psalm of rest. It's a psalm about Sabbath. Now, when you go and work hard and you come home from a long day of work, what's the one thing that you like to do besides maybe eating something? Sit, relax, and watch sports. You know what the best thing in the afternoon is after working is a great nap on the couch. You know, I, I um, <laughs> my wife kept teasing me last week. I said, you know, I said, well, what, what do you think I'm passionate about? And she said, well, napping, watching NCIS, something on something, something else, eating junk food and all these things. When I like to rest, you know, a, a bag of chips, uh, a case of cookies, um, Maybe not a case, but you know, a box. I could, I could, I shouldn't do it, but I could do it. And, and, you know, putting on one, I can watch reruns and reruns and shows over and over and over again, but I don't want to watch a show I haven't seen because I want to fall asleep and miss out on what's happening. So put on a show that I've seen a hundred times and I can just sit there forever and rest. Now that's obviously not the, the kind of rest that God expects us from our Sabbath, However, we do need those moments in our lives where we could go sit on the boat, away from it all, and no cell service. We need the moments we can fall asleep to the football game. I'm just picking up Frank because these are all the things he tells me in his week. We could, whatever, follow, you know, eat the junk food once in a while. But we all need to have an avenue of rest because rest is just as important as work. No, one amen. I'm surprised. All of you must really like to work, so I got jobs for you all. No, rest is just as important as work. The Sabbath starts, and one of the best sort of the routines and, and, and sort of ways to do is to take some time, even if it's every day, or if you plan a particular day, you know, we kind of look at Sundays to do this. But we look at Sundays, and we'll say Sundays is our, is our time of rest. We rest in the presence of of God. We start by proclaiming and extolling his name, just like the psalm did. Great are you, Lord. What does that do when we start our Sabbath that way? It takes everything that has gone on in our week, everything that's about to come before us in the week ahead, and it sets our eyes not on our problems, not on the things that we did wrong or we could have done better or that we didn't get done, not on the things that are coming towards us next week. But what does it do? It takes our eyes off of all of those things and it sets our eyes on the greatness of God. It begins the restoration within our spirit. Say, God, you are great. You know, I'm sure we've all had moments in our lives 
we've all had days in our weeks where we wake up in the morning and we really don't feel like saying things like, God, you are great. God, I love you. There are moments where I'm sure we can feel bitter, we can feel angry, and we say, I don't really feel like loving you today, God, because I'm having a really tough day. My world's crashing down. I got bills to pay and no money in the bank to pay them. I've got this problem before me. I really can't get over it. God, I really don't want to praise you right now. But what does praise do? Praise changes our attitude, and it recognizes that God is above far, far above all the petty little things of this earth. God is far above the challenges that we face. God is far above our own personal dysfunction. And so what happens, I believe, you know, it, it talks about how, you know, we, we, we praise and we worship God as he laid out the pathwork for us in this psalm. It says, great are you, Lord, worthy to be praised. And then they talk about the instruments. Now, how many here, I'm sure many of you, maybe you don't play an instrument. Don't worry. Playing an instrument is not a requirement for the Sabbath. Some of you say, I can make a noise, but it won't be a joyful noise to the Lord. I can make a noise, but it won't be a joyful noise. That's okay. The point is, is that even with music, maybe you put on, a, YouTube is amazing now, right? You can, if you can get past all the ads, you can listen to hours upon hours upon hours of music for free. You know, if you're having a bad day, what do I do? If I'm having a season where I really, if I'm feeling grumpy at the kids, because, you know, if a parent, you've probably been there. Uh, you're feeling grumpy at the dogs. You're just grumpy with your spouse. I won't look at anyone in the room just to make sure we're not pointing anyone out. If you're just grumpy at the world or you're just having a bad day, we're all, we all have them. We're allowed to have those days. One of the most refreshing and hardest things to do is to hit the play button on a nice, uplifting, you know, Christian music album or something. It's like, I don't want to have a joyful morning. You know what? I don't want you to turn my morning into dancing. No, I just, but I do it, and it begins to focus my mind away from the things that are bothering me. Not that it makes them go away, but it just helps me remember and relax and know that God is bigger and the problems, and the stresses, and the anxieties, and the depression, and fill in the blank. It focuses my mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. And what happens when, I mean, what happens when you're grumpy and someone happy comes along? What happens when someone is so happy and you're having a real grumpy day? It's like... <laughs> Why are you so happy? Go away. No, what, what happens? You start to, what happens when you're the happy person? You know, you ever met someone with a bad day and you come in like, hi guys. <laughs> you know, you're doing the, you have Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Carlton dance and all that. You know, you just, and you're just like, whoa, what did you have in your coffee this morning? And you just, you know, what does that person do? What, 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 typically, typically what happens is they try to bring you down real quick. You're grumpy. I'm grumpy, you're going to be grumpy. I'm grumpy, you're going to be grumpy. So I'm going to do whatever I can to throw darts at you, to throw words at you, to just to try to bring you down a little bit. And we see in the psalm, you know, it talks about the ways of the wicked, how the Lord will bring down the ways of the wicked. You know, it talks about how good God is. You know, if you, if you have a really bad life, if you have a really hard time in your life, 
That's okay. Just talk about how good God is because he's perfect. He's done amazing things. So add some positivity to your life and just start talking about the great, wonderful things of God. Having a bad day, you know, open up one of the Psalms and and just start reading some of the amazing things that David has written about our Lord and our Savior. Things that he's written about God. You have some, some struggles in your life, some some, some hardships that you're facing, you're fighting maybe some internal battles, whatever else, start proclaiming the good things of God. Start proclaiming the good things that he has done. You know, for me, music is, is a big part of it. Like, and it's no, it's no wonder my, my oldest daughter runs around singing all the time because I find myself, I'm humming, I'm singing all the time. And, and there's, there's, there's songs that get stuck in your head no matter when you learn them. And how many here still sing the same wrong words to a song you learned as a child? Anyone? Yep. Still sing the same wrong words. But what I do, I, I take a song that I've learned, you know, I remember when I was in Thailand. Uh, we started going to an international church in Bangkok. We'd take a bus ride every weekend, and uh, we found this English-speaking international church. And it was so good to connect with other Christians when you're surrounded by Buddhists and people that don't know Jesus, and not that they're negative people or anything like that, but it's so nice to get together with other believers. And what they decided to do over Christmas was to have all the young people, all the youth, uh, put together a little ensemble, a little choir, and sing, you know, a song. I actually don't know if it was for, I don't think even think it was Christmas. It was just for fun, I think. And so I learned the old hymn, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Has Done. So love to you, the world, He gave us his son. And those words, since I've been 12, I was 12 years old, have always continually stuck with me. It's a catchy tune. And there's moments where I find myself humming that same tune once in a while. And when I'm having a tough day, if those words come to my mind, it's almost not that it's instant, but it begins the process of turning my mind from the lower things of this world and putting my focus and attention on God. Because we know that as long as we live on this earth, there's going to be troubles. We come together on Sundays. We sing songs of praise. We sing songs about how great God is. One, so that we can learn some of the things about God. Two, we can be reminded about some of the characteristics of God. And three, it just changes our perspective and it reminds us why we gather together on Sunday mornings. And so we started the song, Hosanna, praise is rising. Hope is stirring. Eyes are turning to you. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Praise and exhortation towards God. Then we sang a song, Death Was Arrested, all about the great things that Jesus did for us, the giving of his life so that we could have new life. Talked about the characteristics, the works of God. Then our praise changed again, and it just went to sing, Great are you, Lord. All that is is just a declaration, an anthem, if you will, of, uh, of praising of greatness of our God. And then the last song is kind of like a prayer. If all of these things are true, God, if you're so great, then God, why don't you take my life? Why don't you build something great in my life? Why don't you do something good in my life? Bring transformation to my heart. Bring a change to me so that I can continually live a life of praise and honor and worship. You know, the word says that if we don't praise him, you know, you and I were created to worship. You and I were made to worship. That's why God created us. And he says, if we don't do it, the rocks will cry out. Now, if I heard a rock cry out, I'd say, hey, there's a, there's a talking rock. Get, get that phone out. Get that on YouTube. I'm, I'm going to be famous. 
talking rock. No kidding. If the rocks are crying out to God, we're in big trouble as a church. If the rocks are crying now, if, if uh, Dwayne Johnson walked in here, the rock himself, and started praising God, I mean, I'll take that. But it says the rocks will cry out if we don't. We need to rest. We need to gather together and recognize that Jesus is Lord. We gather on Sundays to do that. And, and yeah, you know, we got people that are working there here early. Or, you know, we have the people on the worship team and people helping at the kids' church. And, you know, Chad comes. He's usually one of the first ones here. He's getting things ready on the computer. Someone's putting coffee on. And, and people are working throughout the week to make this happen. And, but it's part of the system and processes of rest. Where we get to come together and we get to encourage one another. Add some positivity to our weeks. Add some new life and hear stories of transformation and share what is God speaking to me? What is God doing in my life? What is God doing with us as a church? We get to share these kinds of stories. We get to proclaim the good things that God has done. It also gives us a space in the time of rest to share with one another the burdens that we are carrying. It allows us to come together and pray over the person sitting next to us or across from us or when someone is going through a hard time. It, it helps build the relationship where we get to sit together and encourage and, and, and lift one another up in prayer. When we rest and we gather, God is praised, his word is read, his people connect. That's planting some good seeds that produce good fruit. Say it with me, or repeat after me. The Sabbath is designed to help us flourish. The Sabbath is designed to help us flourish. Thank you. Now, <laughs> thanks, Dan. I feel like it's youth on Wednesday night. It's perfect. This is why we get along. We think alike sometimes. Now, he gives us a good contrast. I said the psalm builds off, off one another, off itself. And you head down to um, verse 6. doesn't take long to get there. Senseless people. Anyone here know any senseless people? Don't put your hand up. Good, good. That's really nice of you. Senseless people do not know. Anyone here know any fools? Just wink. That's fine. If they're sitting in the room, just... Give me a small, I'm just kidding. Fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all the evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But your Lord, but you, Lord, are forever exalted. Verse 9, for surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish and evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. And we'll get there in just a minute. So, what do we do with the negativity that we face? Because if we lift up our voices in praise to God, if we begin to tell others how joyful we are because of what God has done, there's going to be some grumpy people around. It's just, just the reality. Because they have not tasted, they have not seen, they have not heard or experienced the goodness of God. And so... When someone thinks that you have the upper hand, I mean, just think of your own life. When you look at somebody and, and it just looks like they have the better life. You know, they're, they're successful, they're happy, they're joyful, they have, they have money or they have a platform, they have influence, they have power. 
you know, all of these things can play with our mind, and we start to almost put them on a pedestal. And, and when someone's on a pedestal, we can either worship them, or what do we do? We throw rocks at them. It's basically the, the two responses that we have. We either begin to idolize that person and want to be like them, or we despise that person and we start to throw rocks at them. Maybe not physical rocks, because you get charged for that. But they hurl words, insults. They, they, they start slandering behind their back. They start telling lies and gossiping and, and, and sharing misinformation. Same, same happens to us. People don't understand what we do as a church. People don't understand. Why, do you, why are you in church? Why do you, why do you love God? Why, do you, why are you so joyful? Why are you so joyful all the time? You know, you just can get excited about it. And people don't always understand because they haven't tasted, they haven't seen They haven't heard about the goodness of God. And unless they make a decision to take the blinders off, unless God miraculously shows up in their lives, which if we pray for them, I believe will happen, then they don't understand. All they want to do is begin to hurl the rocks. And they'll never be able to see the greatness of God until they humble themselves before him. I couldn't see the greatness of God until I humbled my heart before him either. It won't matter how successful and flourishing they are to the human eye. They will always fall and they will always fail in the sight of God. See, it's not about getting rich. It's not about being wealthy. It's not about having power. It's not about this or that. It's about recognizing that we all come from a place of need. We all stand equal at the foot of the cross. And so I like to be careful when I start talking about the ways of the wicked because then I realize you start pointing the finger, what you're really doing is pointing the rest at yourself because we are all in need of a savior. We all need Jesus the same. We're all sinners and we can find ourselves very easily tangled up in the ways of the wicked the ways of the fools. This is why no one answered, right? When I said, if you know a fool, if you know, if you know all of this and that, no one put their hand up because reality is, if we're honest, we're thinking inside of ourselves, well, maybe I'm that fool. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm that person. We all need Jesus the same. But in their foolishness, they lack understanding. They lack the capacity to understand the processes and, and the ways of the church. They don't understand why we stand up for the things that we stand up for. Why do we believe in life? Because God gave us life. We sang about it. It's his breath in our lungs. We value the life of an infant. We value the life of a senior on their deathbed. We value the baby inside the womb because God is the one and the giver of life. And we value the things of God. And people outside don't understand. We believe in the way that God has set things apart for his glory. He set the husband and the wife apart to be a reflection of the relationship and the love that God has for his children. There's a reason he calls the church his bride. The church is the bride of Christ because he loves the bride. He loves the church so much. It's his design to bring people into God's family. He's used the church, he's used this relationship to build the family like he's given a husband and a wife the ability to have children and to multiply. He is the bride of Christ. People don't understand. The wicked are blinded. They don't see 
what we see. They don't know any better. And so we can't just stand up and throw the rocks back. We stand up for what is right, but we can't just throw the rocks back because they can't help it. They have not yet seen and heard the goodness of God. And so we continue to do what Jesus did for us. We continue to do what God did for us. John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much. What did he do out of his love? He gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will never die, but will have eternal life. People will begin to say things about God, against God, about his church that are simply not true. They'll put labels on us. They'll try to tear us apart. They'll try to bring us down. And this is why unity is so important. This is why understanding who God is, this is why understanding what God has called us to be, who God has called us to be, is so incredibly important. It's why it's so important to take the time and rest and to praise God because there are tough days ahead. Can you imagine being a believer in China? They say, excuse me, in the next... I can't remember how many years. I wish you'd have wrote it down. In the X number of years in the near future, the number of Christians in China will likely outweigh the number of members of the Communist Party in China. That's incredible. And they're not even allowed to worship God publicly. They're not even allowed to lift high the name of Jesus like we do here on Sunday mornings. Most of them have to meet in secret, and yet the church is booming. God is doing incredible things. They had a plan to send out, I can't remember how many hundreds of thousands of missionaries to the Middle East, to, to Israel. They, they, had, they had the way paved and, and they said if they were successful, they would have sent out more missionaries than North America has ever sent out in its history. That's unbelievable. It gives us a global perspective that the church isn't just a, a North American thing. The church was never born in North America, never mind that. The church is a global entity. But we have to remember unity is so incredibly important. And unity for our church in particular is incredibly important in this season because uh, we are going through this regeneration process. And regeneration essentially is a fancy word for change. We are changing. We are taking this word that God has given us and we are applying it to our lives and is changing us. It is bringing us to become the people that God has called us to be. But it is going to motivate us, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's going to motivate us to do things a little bit differently to reach people in a way that they'll understand. Which means there's some things that we do as we pray and as we seek the Lord and as we walk through this next season, there's some things that are going to be different in our church. I'm probably going to preach different. We might sing differently. Things are going to look a little bit differently. But we're still going to preach that Jesus is Lord. And we're going to speak it in a way that people understand. And in this season, it's incredibly important for us to be one body. To be hands, to be his feet, to be his legs. Some of us to be the muscle. Some of us to be the tough, thick skin that we're going to need because people are going to throw rocks. People are going to say things about us that aren't true. People might not even like us. And so some of us as members are going to have to be the thick skin for the rest of us. Because God wants to do something so amazing in our community. God wants you to shine so bright. You know, we have this lighthouse that has no light in it. 
Has anyone ever noticed that? Our beautiful lighthouse downtown has no light in it. Could you imagine? God has established this church here, but there's no light in it. And he says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. You know, I tell this story and I'll tell it again. You're going to get sick of me tired. You're going to get sick of me saying it. There was a girl I met last spring. She was invited to youth with one of her friends. And she's 12 years old, lived in Terrace Bay her entire life, and had no clue that this building even existed down here at this street. She had no friends that lived on, on, on this street at all. No reason to ever drive down this road. And so she had no idea that we even existed. Now, obviously something's working. Someone invited her and brought her. But it amazed me. 12 years. We've been here in this building since 1982. And she had no idea. Now, God is doing some incredible things. And he's, bringing, he's, he's doing some incredible things in people. And it's just so good to see. And God's going to continue to do more but we got to continue to stand together. we got to continue to work together because it gets to our final point today that there's hope, not the final point, the final to the final point. There's hope for the wicked. Verse 10, but you have made us strong, made us as strong as the horn of the wild ox. Anyone here ever seen a wild ox before? Just put your hands up really nice and high. Oh, good. I was going to call you crazy if you had because they're extinct. Um, early, this is a fun fact for you. You can tell your friends this. Uh, older English translations would take this particular word in the Hebrew and they would translate it maybe as a rhino, but it wasn't a rhino. It was sort of the predecessor to today's sort of modern cattle. But it was, you know, this mighty strong animal with a strong horn. Other English translations, and this is the one that's really exciting. Don't tell my kids about this one. They used to call it a unicorn. They used to say you'd be as strong like a unicorn. Now, if you've ever seen a unicorn on TV, they don't look very strong. It's like a flying horse with a horn on its head and glitter and sparkles. It's like, like Lucky Charms and just blew up or something. I don't know. Kind of just glitter everywhere. Clouds and rainbows and glitter and... Magnificent flying horse with a horn on its head. It's in the Bible. You can tell your kids. There's unicorns in the Bible. Jesus said they were there. They can be as mighty as a unicorn. Fun fact of translation. When you look at the word horn, it's always a symbol of strength. It's always a symbol of strength. The wild ox, the ancestor, the domestic cattle. I mean, has anyone here ever gone cow tipping before? Not a lot of farms here to do that. I have no idea that you can't actually do that. So, you know, I, was, I grew up in Northern Ontario in the bush, whatever. I went to school in Saskatchewan, and we watched the movie Cars when it came out, and they talked about the tractor tipping, and it's a play on the cow tipping, all these things. And I thought, oh, that'd be kind of fun. We should go do that sometime. And they all kind of looked at me like, you know, you can't actually tip over a cow, right? And I was like, what are you talking about? You can't? And I had no idea. I mean, I was young, I was naive. Apparently, unless the cow is like sick or wants to lay down, you can't actually tip it over. It's a strong animal. And you see this wild ox that is now extinct. It's the ancestor to this, this cattle. It's a mighty animal. And the, and the Lord says, I have made you strong like the wild ox. I have made you strong like the horn. 
It's a symbol of power. It's a symbol of strength. I have made you strong to withstand the attacks of the enemy. I have made you strong to stand in the powers of darkness. I have made you strong to get through whatever challenges you face. It's the same expression that they used when they freed the Israelites from Egypt. So here's what I say to you this morning. No matter what trials you face, no matter what darkness is in your life, no matter what mountain is before you, the Lord has made you strong. Psalm 46 tells us that God is my refuge and my strength. God has made you strong. Finally, this morning, our eternal Sabbath, we have hope. There is a day where we won't have to face the stones. You won't have to face the words. We won't have to face the struggles and the challenges. God created you to flourish. It says the righteous flourish like the palm tree. They grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Flourish is such a fun word. Can you say flourish? Flourish. I think of a flamingo, probably because it's an F and an L together. Flamingos, I don't, I don't know. Did you know, I think they, they get their color by the food they eat. Did you know that? Has anyone ever seen a white flamingo? They're boring. You give it the right thing to eat and it turns pink and it flourishes. It is who it's supposed to be. When we start taking in the right things, when we start giving God the praise that he deserves, when we start giving God the glory that is due unto him, we start ingesting and taking in the words that he's written to us in this book we call the Bible. We start doing these things, we begin to flourish. When we start to serve, when we start to get involved in the things that God is doing, when we allow God to change our hearts, to move us forward, we begin to flourish. Now, I don't know if, if, I don't like dates at all, but apparently some dates grow on palm trees and they're really yummy. Dates also help you do other things that I don't need help with because I'm not old. But they're very valuable fruit. So I like the example of the cedars of Lebanon. Maybe it's a guy thing, a manly thing. It's just the influence of home improvement on my life. But the cedars of Lebanon, I mean, those are strong trees. Those are mighty trees, and they're always green. They're the trees they used to build the temple, the ones that Solomon used because they were strong. They provided structure. They provided stability for all who would come in to meet with God. And he's calling you and I to be like the flourishing palm tree producing good fruit. He's calling us to be like the cedars of Lebanon who are just green and, and beautiful and strong and mighty to provide structures, to provide a way to show people that Jesus is the way. He's calling us to flourish and stand strong in our faith, to be a mighty fortress, to be a symbol of hope, to be a symbol of peace, to be a symbol of God's power, his joy, and his love. And on our own, we might seem weak, but it's his spirit who's strong in us. It's his spirit who's strong in us. If you're ever lost in the desert, what's the best thing that you can see? An oasis. An oasis provides shade, provides rest, provides water, provides hope, safety. You know, the Sabbath is our oasis. Taking time to spend with God. You know, it's one thing if we plant a good seed, that's all fine and good. But you got to take care of it. You got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of 
take care of our faith, take care of our relationship with Jesus. Because what happens when you take care of that seed? What happens? You, you find out what that seed is all about. If you, ever, if you ever get like a mystery pack of seeds and you wonder what they're going to grow into, you know, you water it, you water it, and then you watch it grow. And you say, oh, look, look at that's turned into, you know, carrots, and this one's potatoes, and this one's whatever. You fill in the blank. It's, it's the same thing with people. You know, we love everybody. And some, some people, they just catch on. You know, some of the seed that, that is scattered, people look at it and, you know, it says some of it falls on the hard ground and some of it finds in good soil. And it's amazing watching that seed grow, watching a young person grow. You know, when we, when we start following God and when we start loving God and praising God and we share that with our children, it's amazing watching our children grow up to love Jesus, watching them flourish in the passions that God has given them, watching them operate in the gifts that God has enabled them with and, and seeing the possibilities of how God is going to use them. That's an incredible adventure. And as a church, we get to be a part of that. I mean, right now, Diana is downstairs with, with some of our youngest kids, some of our, our even kids that come to our youth group, and she's planting seeds. She's watering seed in them because I believe that God's going to use them to share the truth about who Jesus really is. We're going to see our kids do amazing and marvelous things. We have um, people in the nursery right now pouring into the littlest, littlest of our children taking care of them because we believe in them. We believe that God is going to do something amazing in them. We want to see them flourish and become the people that God has destined them to be. I tell our youth, I gave them five basic principles to live by. Number five is we grow together. You know, some of us might grow at different rates and we might do different things, but we still, we grow together. It's the beauty about the church is that when one of us is struggling, we have someone else to take their hand and, and, and sometimes, sometimes drag them kicking and screaming, but we have, we have someone to take their hand and pull them through. When we're struggling, we have someone to give us the push that we need, the encouragement that we need, because we do this together. And there's so much beauty, and the world looks at it and, and can just see us flourish. And there's a time coming where we're going to hit eternity. We're going to hit heaven either through Jesus coming back or through our final breath on this world and this earth. We're going to find ourselves in the most beautiful paradise oasis that we've ever seen. Does that excite you a little bit? It excites me. Let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, I look forward to heaven. Almighty God, I look forward to the day we get to spend our eternity with you. But Jesus, here and now, I am so thrilled that you are with us. I am so thrilled that, Lord, as we lift high your name in praise, as we spend time speaking to you in our prayers, as we spend time reading about you, as we spend time together talking about you, Jesus, we don't have to wait for heaven to meet with you. Because you sent your Holy Spirit to be your presence here on this earth. And so Jesus, because you live inside of us, because you are with us wherever we go, we can stand strong, O oh Lord. We can stand firm in our faith and we can be the hope that someone is searching for. We can be the light in the darkness. We can point people to you, Jesus. You have gifted us, you have called us, you have enabled us, and you will continue to empower us to do the incredible things that only you can do, God, through your power, to see lives transformed and changed forever. 
Lord, I believe this morning as we pray, Lord, in the days to come, in the weeks to come, even in the years to come, Lord, there will be people in our community that they'll have seeds planted in them and they'll begin to flourish, Lord, because they found hope in one of us in this room. Because they saw the strength, Lord, within us that comes from God. They saw the hope within us that comes from you, Jesus. I pray that they will see the truth, Lord, and it will set them free from the darkness. It will set them free from the things that eat away at them. It'll set them free from their anxieties. It'll set them free from their depressions. It'll set them free, oh God, from the struggles that they face. Lord, and above all, it'll set them free, oh God, from their sin and their wicked ways. The same way that you set us free every day. Jesus, I thank you so much for every person in this room, in this building this morning. Lord, you have built us and made us become a part of your family, and I give you thanks for that. Would you help us to love one another just a little bit more, to encourage one another, to remember to pick up the phone or stop by and just give a word of encouragement to one another. Lord, be with each one this week as they go. Give them the strength they need, the courage, O oh God, they need. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed this week as you go, church.